to quote our perfect Mormon sister, Oh my flipping heck, this is good. But be warned, there is some vulgar language on this podcast, and I don't mean gosh darn it. I repeat very plainly, physical mischief with another man is forbidden. (laughs) It is forbidden of the Lord. Now, there are some men who entice young men to join them in these immoral acts. If you are ever approached to participate in anything like that, that is the time to vigorously resist. Hi, I'm Daniel, and I'm the oldest. I'm James, and I'm the straightest. I'm Andrew, and I'm the best. We're We're brothers. brothers! And this is Mormon Raised. A sibling podcast. Today's episode is Andrew, Please Like Me, where we talk about Andrew. That's me. Welcome to Mormon Raised, the podcast where we get to talk about growing up Mormon. On this podcast, I'm the youngest, but in real life, I'm the middle child. I'm number three of seven. Is that why you're always trying to get attention? Okay, rude, but partly true. And you've gotten pretty good at it. Everyone is still talking about your story from that first (laughs) bonus episode. You guys just can't let that go. It's not my fault for being so captivating and fabulous. Everyone just wants to talk about me. (laughs) So in these first couple episodes, we're talking about our stories leaving Mormonism. So Andrew, were you super into Mormonism in high school? Not really. I kind of took it for granted. I believed it 100% without asking any questions, but I wasn't really that into it. I was mainly just super naive and I didn't understand what was happening around me. Sounds about right. (laughs) I kind of just like believed everything I was fed. Mormons just believe. Exactly, the (laughs) Mormon, it's true. Um, The worst story I have in high school that I am actually very ashamed of. In church, we talked a lot about the early saints like Joseph Smith and how they were persecuted and Joseph Smith was was killed. And we Mormons definitely are taught that our ancestors were persecuted for our beliefs. And we're taught that they were massacred and, you know, killed for their beliefs, which Some of them were. We talked about it so much that I thought it was a huge portion of our history. Well, when I went to school, we didn't talk about that very much, but we did talk about the Nazis in World War II. And I brought up to a friend, why do our teachers focus so much on the Holocaust and why haven't they focused on Mormon persecution? Well, I hope your friend wasn't Jewish. The worst part of it is that he was. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm, I feel so bad. You don't understand how ashamed I am. I think about this sometimes like late at night and I panic of like how horrible I was in high school and how much everyone should have hated me. Wow. Well, you must have had a lot of friends in high school. <clears throat> no, I did not. As you can imagine, I didn't have very many friends in high school. Um, My best friend in high school was my sister, number four. She was only a year behind me in school, so we were super close, and we practically did everything together, mainly choir and musical theater. 
which I just love. My favorite musical was Dreamgirls, and it's still probably my favorite musical. I saw it in high school. It was like a spiritual experience. I remember everything about it. I came home and I sang from it all the time. I sang at home, I sang at school, I sang in the car, in the shower, wherever. I was singing and belting at the top of my lungs. I knew every word and I would wail. It was incredible. And it just gave me such good, warm and fuzzy feelings inside. That's so gay. <laughs> I, I was going to say, that's so Mormon. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, musical theater is definitely where gay culture and Mormon culture overlap. Musical theater, yes. But I would say Dreamgirls, no. Because Dreamgirls has uh, black people and premarital sex. And mm. Mormons do not like those things. Mormon musicals would be more like The Sound of Music, Newsies, anything Disney. Very uh, Again, where gay culture and Mormon culture overlap. Okay. Yeah, it's a Venn diagram of musicals. <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely some overlap. I'll go, I'll give you that. All right. So Andrew, with all that musical theater love, were you like super cool with the gays? Um no. Especially in high school and my freshman year at BYU, I was very homophobic. Can I just say, being your Facebook friend back then, you used to post these um post like calling your friends fags and I mean it was bad <laughs> yeah it was really bad I feel so bad I actually re only recently deleted these posts off Facebook I f didn't remember that they existed someone had to point them out to me and I feel horrible when I had to read those posts where I called someone a fag and it just like it hurt my heart that I was ever that homophobic and that I used that language Daniel when you read these how did that affect you? Well, of course, I was, you know, out of the closet at that time. And so I didn't love it, but it didn't upset me as much because I knew what was going on. And I figured you would come out, you know, probably after your mission. I wish you had helped me come out before my mission. Why, why do you hate your mission so much? When I arrived on my mission, I was a lot like you, James, where I wanted to obey all the rules. I did it annoyingly so. I was very much 100% um, obedient 100% of the time. I wanted to be perfect. And so I was uptight. I was kind of mean to annoying to my companions because I just wanted to be the perfect missionary. And I expected a lot from the people I was with. <laughs> you may say you had a stick up your ass. Funny, ha ha ha. <laughs> By now, the whole world knows about the broomstick that went up Andrew's ass on his mission. Okay, you guys, let's let this go. Yes, please. <laughs> for, for all that's holy in the world, let's not talk about it anymore on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all that's holy in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to retire this. Funny, guys. Funny, Done. funny. Ha 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 ha. About six months into my mission, um, I, I had a companion that was known to be a little bit difficult, but I had a great attitude. And so I was very... Um, like the guy from the Book of Mormon musical, just super happy to be there. Yes, you were Elder Price. Yes, I was Elder Price. And I was very earnest and energetic. I wanted to get out, hit the road, and baptize 
Terezina. And what did he want to do? He wanted to stay in the apartment and kind of relax, take it a little easier. That's that's hard to deal with. I remember having companions who didn't want to work. And that's hard because you want to work. Yes. And at this point, there was also this weird dynamic where I was the most junior person in the apartment. And at some points, my companion thought I was a huge tattletale. Well... One day we were walking to lunch and I mentioned something about talking to the zone leaders about what we were working on. So you tattled. I tattled. And my companion was one to be completely silent and then blow up. He was, he was very explosive. He, he wouldn't talk to me for hours. And then all of a sudden he would just yell at me. It was that point where he exploded and what he he threw me up against the brick wall and hit me in my face. He punched me in my face. And oh my god, Andrew. That's crazy. Yes, it was horrible. I was shook. I was completely um shock, in shock. And I dr- remember dropping my uh, screaming. First of all, cuz he wouldn't he didn't even let me go right away. So he hit me and I'm still on the on the wall just screaming as loud as I could. He finally lets me go when he realizes he can't get me to stop screaming. I drop all my stuff and I just run home. I run back to the apartment. Yeah. I go straight to the shower and I'm just sobbing in the shower, completely miserable. Well, of of course you were in tears. Your your mission companion hit you. Punched you in the face against a brick wall. It was the first time I think I've ever gotten hit. I, I am not a fighter. I have no fight in me. So... It was very traumatic. I leave and I say that I need to talk to our mission president. The mission president comes over to our apartment, but he doesn't talk to my companion at all. He only wants to talk to me. So he he brings me into a room and essentially keeps asking what I did to make my companion want to hit me. He Wait, he blamed you? Yes. For being hit? And he he, and he didn't even talk to the guy who hit you? He did not talk to the guy that hit me. He kept, he only brought me in a room and kept asking me the same question of what I was doing that was so horrible to make my companion hit me. So your mission president, who knew that you struggled with homosexual inclinations, was asking you what you did to deserve to be punched by your companion. Yes. Who was breaking the rules. Correct. And being a lazy missionary. So do you do you think that this is like what Boyd K. Packer was talking about when Boyd K. Packer said in this kind of famous speech to the young men only that if you're if you're on your mission and your companion is gay, it's okay to hit them. Like he literally said that. Do you think that he that your mission president assumed that you were hitting on your companion? I have never thought about that, but now that you say that, I think it makes complete sense. Like, that's literally a scenario that has been spoken spoken yeah. about from the pulpit. Yeah, no, I think that... So he is, he assumed you were hitting on your, your companion, and that's why the companion punched you. Yes. And he was trying to get you to confess that. Which is why he didn't even talk to the other missionary. And which is why he kept saying, well, what were you saying? What were you doing to make him want to hit you? Oh my God, I had no idea. And now this makes so much more sense. Yeah. I mean, Andrew, that's crazy. And it also makes it so much worse. Uh, 
I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the reason was. It it's bad that he hit you. It's horrible that he hit yes, me. Yes, this is bad. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find the audio of that. I mean, you have to hear you have to hear the words of Boyd K. Packer. Now, there are some men who entice young men to join them in these immoral acts. If you are ever approached to participate in anything like that, that is the time to vigorously resist. While touring a mission on one occasion, a missionary said he had something to confess. I was very worried because he just could not get himself to tell me what he had done. After patient encouragement, he finally blurted out, I hit my companion. Oh, is that all, I said in great relief. <laughs> but I floored him, he said. After a little more uh, research into what had happened, my response was, well, thanks. Somebody had to do it, and it wouldn't... <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be well for a general authority to solve a problem in that way. Now, I'm not recommending that course to you, my young friends, but I'm not omitting it. You must... <laughs> you must protect yourselves. That's uh, remarkably similar. That's, that's actually freaking me out because it follows the entire... It's insane. Yeah, it's the, it's the entire story all over again. With one key difference, in this case, the mission president at least, you know, well, in this case, Boyd K. Packer, the the mission president, at least talked to the guy who hit the person and found out what happened first. Your mission president just assumed. But he had oh, been, well, he'd been conditioned to assume that. Of course, yeah. Your mission president probably grew up at the time that Boyd K. Packer gave this talk. So this was like in his brain of what happens. And he knew that you were gay, so he probably just assumed... Gay people always hit on any man they see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gay people, stop hitting on all the straight men. Even if we're, we're off base and this isn't what he assumed, the fact of the matter is you didn't deserve to be hit, and he should have protected you. No, he made me feel way worse. But, I mean, he at least separated you guys, right? Like The worst part is that after that whole conversation... He decided that we needed to stay together, that we complimented each other, that we needed to learn from each other, whatever it was, that we had to stay companions. Even after he hit me. Ugh, I, can't, I, I still can't believe this. And I, I just remember, so for the rest of the day, I was in tears on and off, um, and he wouldn't talk to me. He was si completely silent. And it, there's nothing worse than being next to someone that just hits you, that obviously hates you and won't say anything. He's just staring at you. He's not saying a word, not a single word. And you're just trying to go out and teach the good people of Teresina about Jesus Christ. And it was horrible. It was an awful day. The next day, it was the same thing, and I couldn't handle it anymore. I, in, I called the mission president, and I said, with all the strength that I had, you either need to transfer me to a new area with a new companion, or I'm going home. I can't handle it anymore. I can't be with this elder anymore. I need to get out. And he then transferred me because I forced him. 
But um, he, I kind of wish, actually, I 100% wish he just sent me home. I wish that I was strong enough to go home. I mean, here you are, this, like, middle child who just wants to be loved. You just want to be accepted. And the mission, at least, church, the mission did not give that to you. Definitely not. I, I feel like I had no... I was taken away from my family. I had no friends. I feel like everyone around me didn't like me. It was the most alone that I had ever felt. And I, I feel like I was pretty good about keeping up a, like a happy face sometimes, but I have never felt more alone. I have never felt worse than I did on my mission. So your mission sounds like the worst. Where Was there any good things that happened? So there was one area that I really liked and I had a really great companion and we were getting along really well. So I was about a year on the mission, but I was still junior companion. So I was still like the lesser one, but I was at least having a good time with my companion, a great area. We were only together six weeks, which is the shortest amount of time you can get together. And I think it's because it got back to my mission president that I was really enjoying this area and this companion. And I think he thought we were gay lovers. So <laughs> he said like, oh, you're, you, you like your companion? Well, you must be in love with him. Let's get this guy out. So I think that's what happened. I can vouch for that because my mission president also knew that I struggled with same-sex attractions. And I got transferred almost every six weeks or, or I got a new companion almost every six weeks because I think my mission president was trying to prevent me from getting too close to any one missionary. Didn't even matter if we were, you know, gay lovers. It was just he just was going to make sure I didn't get too close to anyone. Yeah. So I think the best part that came out of it is that I stopped believing and I didn't hold the church as 100 percent accurate anymore. That was, that was, this is the time where I really changed that mentality where I was like, the church could be wrong. The people in the church can be wrong. And I don't have to just accept everything that they tell me. So you actually stopped believing in the church while you were a missionary in Brazil. Yes. That's what happened. Wow. So if you're not believing in the church anymore, you come home from your mission and... Surely you must have gone to a different school no, other than BYU. Uh, no, unfortunately, that's another decision I didn't do. I went, came home to BYU. And even though I didn't believe in the church anymore, my uh, brother and sister, so James and number four, were both there. And I loved them so much. So it was at least fun to be with them. Even though you didn't believe in the church, you still felt peer pressure to attend Brigham Young University. A hundred percent. I still had a lot of desire to please people. And so I feel like even if I didn't believe on the inside, I still wanted to make it look like I was the perfect son, that I was the perfect student, that I was the perfect um, person, or at least a likable person. But hey, we, we had a blast at least. Correct. Oh, I man. really did enjoy being with James and number four. Um, I did start breaking the rules a little bit at BYU. So what does that mean? So I like would break things like the curfew. I didn't start drinking yet, but I would want to skip church or I would skip church. <gasps> yes, I would watch our rated- You sinner! No, I would watch R-rated movies. I would listen to music with curse words. Okay, so, so far, all of those things, except for the <laughs> skipping church, are things I also did at BYU. 
So you, you haven't gotten too far off the beaten path here. Well, skipping church though, that's unfigurable. Okay. So. <laughs> this is still also sophomore year. Believe me, I do things junior and senior year that you've never done. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll believe that. <laughs> I remember one funny thing. So one of my roommates sophomore year, he actually came up to me and said that he didn't want me playing my music out loud because there were curse words in it. And he could he didn't want his ears to be hurt by the the lyrics in my songs i hope he doesn't listen to our fucking podcast well let me tell you it has a happy ending because not only does he listen to our podcast he's still one of my best friends and he's gay what 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 yeah great ending but we'll maybe have him as a guest there was a time when i thought there was one of your apartments where i thought every single roommate was was a closeted gay person yeah that's sophomore year (laughs) I, it's I, funny because I didn't know you were gay. <laughs> you just thought he had a bunch of gay roommates. Why are you? Yeah. Why are you gravitating to all these flamboyant people, Andrew? I just don't get it. That's so funny. So of I had five roommates. So of the five, I guess two have come out, and me. So you are fifty percent right. That I mean, that Pretty is higher. Yeah. That's higher than the national average. And you never know. Maybe the people that mar- got married to women, they could be gay too. We we shouldn't. <laughs> we shouldn't one assume. in particular. We should not assume. <laughs> okay, now you're gonna have their wives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, DM us at Mormon Raised Podcast. <laughs> we'll give you the inside scoop. Okay, okay. I started to break some of these rules, but I still hadn't come out to myself. And I think that was actually the hardest thing for me is I didn't have this church anymore looming over me, but I still wanted a I wanted a family. I wanted to be straight. I I couldn't wrap my head around that being gay was could be happy, that I could be happy and gay. Wait, even though even though you had an older brother, who was who looked miserable and had a horrible life? Yeah, I was so happy. <laughs> I was living a great life. Well, you were also I, excluded a little bit from the family during this time, Dan. I would agree. So I, I, that's true. I feel like at this time you you were excluded, and that's not something that I I even remember. Like when I was coming out to fit the family, I wanted to make sure that I didn't exclude myself. That I made sure that I was still close with everyone not that daniel excluded himself mind you <laughs> i did not exclude myself okay. i wanted to be included i agree i was i i agree that you didn't want that but i think that that's what ended up happening and so i was trying to yes make i was trying my best to make that force himself in to force myself in yeah because at the end of the day you just want to be liked yes i think that that was part of it as horrible as that is no, it's not horrible. It's not horrible at all. Yeah. But... Everybody everybody wants to be accepted. Right. And Especially of, of their family, right? Like everyone wants yes. to be loved by their family. I think that's pretty pretty universal. That is a that is a healthy want. It's a healthy desire. Not everyone gets it, but that is a healthy thing to want. I agree. So I did tell myself that I was gay. I came out to myself and that's when I decided to kind of change my life around. So I switched from a art major to an accounting major. You went from closeted and straight to out and gay 
and that meant going from creative art to accounting. You have to explain that. Okay, well, I did have the fear, remember, of being excluded from the family, so I wanted to make sure I was self-sufficient. I also wanted to find a job that would let me live in New York. And from your example, Daniel, art doesn't make a ton of money. (laughs) And so I wanted to find a successful career that would let me live in any city I want, specifically New York, because that's the gayest city in America. At least that's what I thought then. Now I realize San Francisco is also really gay, but hey, I love New York, so (laughs) no bad decision there. It's too bad they don't need more accountants in Fire Island. Oh my God, you found the gayer place. I should should just move to Fire Island. I mean, if that's the goal. Accountants everywhere. At the time as well, James, you were living in in New York, and that's when I... And I was a successful accountant. (laughs) You can call it that. James was actually the first person I came out to. I visited him in New York and told him that I was gay, very tearfully, but... The gayness of the city just got to you, overwhelmed you? Exactly. It was, there's too much gay around me, I just had to share... And so New York's the first city I told anyone I was gay out loud. Oh. Yeah, it's kind of a special place. It was a cute moment. It's sweet. James, what did you think about it? Um, you know, I was surprised. I was as as I said, pretty naive for both of you, not knowing that either of you were gay before you told me. So I was pretty surprised. Even after I shattered the surprise the first time and made you realize it was like a possibility you didn't suspect yeah, I had andrew. no idea i didn't suspect andrew overall i think you reacted really well when you said that you had no idea i thought you were lying i completely thought <laughs> that you knew and you were just joking because you didn't want me to feel like my, everyone knows that i was gay like already but no i guess you actually were surprised when you stopped attending church and when you kind of left the church this was when you were at byu or when you were at new york i went to church about every other week my senior year at byu so i was like 50 percent i came to new york enough to not get kicked out Yes, I moved to New York and I didn't know anyone at first. And so I went to church a couple times. And so when you stopped attending church, how did the church react? Um, I never heard from them again. No, like they didn't they didn't come after me. They didn't knock on your door? Nope, they never knocked on my door really. I don't think I ever had home teachers. I don't think I've Did they ever ask you to come back? Nope, they never asked me to come back. They never they never sent the missionaries over. That's so fascinating. Oh, actually, that's a lie. The missionaries came one time and they tried to teach my roommate, who was obviously not a member, and he is he was not interested in the Mormon church at all, and they come over and try and teach him, and he's asking questions out of curiosity. And then he essentially said, like, I never want to see you again. So missionaries came over. (laughs) Was was he straight? He was straight. So the missionaries came over. As far as I know. (laughs) Not to reclaim you, a gay Mormon who was like just in the process of leaving. They came over to try to get your straight roommate. Correct. Hey, James, when you when you stopped attending church, yeah. How did the church react? 
Well, we haven't gotten any missionaries over, but I do have a home teacher, while well, they call them visiting ministers now, who checks in about once a quarter. Uh, he, he, he doesn't set an appointment. He just uh, will, will, will come by. And so far, I've never been home. Um, because, uh, he, no, like, actually, I haven't been home. Like, If they tried to set up an appointment, would you agree to meet them? Yes, I'm a missionary for Satan now. <laughs> yes, exactly. Good, good job. You'd be like, yes, come over. Let me prepare some research for you. I just think it's interesting that the church has assigned someone to come and visit you, but it sounds like either they didn't assign someone to come to visit Andrew or they assigned someone to visit Andrew, but they chose not to. Yeah. Maybe it's a total coincidence. I just find it interesting. I do find it interesting. I think that part of it is that when people see like, oh, he's leaving and he's gay, I think there's more of like, oh, that's a permanent situation. Whereas if you're leaving and you're straight, you can come back at any moment. All right. Um, yeah. So I think everything worked out and I feel like my life is so much better now without the church and coming out and really um, loving myself. I think over this entire process, I learned how to be myself and to be unashamed. So I still want people to like me. I still want to please everyone around me. But I won't do that at sacrifice of myself anymore. So what you're saying is that RuPaul had it right all along? Yeah. How can you love somebody if you can't love yourself? Can I can get, I get, an get an amen? amen? Amen. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, you know, I have to say, Andrew, you it's, it's clear that you're still a little bit of an attention whore, but it's very obvious that people love you because you are yourself and because you're not pretending to be anyone else. And that's why I think you probably get more attention now than you ever got when you were pretending to be someone else. I completely agree. In the name of New York City, gay men. Thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like it, be a good Mormon missionary and tell all your friends. Please like me on Instagram at Mormon Raised Podcast. You know that I need to be liked. And don't forget to subscribe. The music in this episode is Anthem for the Good Life by Young Presidents, courtesy of Shutterstock, Inc.